This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life and like cool-looking drinks. Whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every type of drinker. It's crafted using bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic or soda. But they can be used to make even more complex cocktails, and you'll find those in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram account, at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. These are available in Canada and in the US and now at LCBO stores across Ontario. And again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello everyone, I'm Alex and I'm here with my husband Shane. We are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree Podcast episode 144. You know, I really wasn't going to do this episode. I mean, we're burning the candle at both ends, but the other day, a fan stopped us. It's true. Well, she was driving by, <laughs> and you were walking a little bit ahead. She just talked to you. No, she said, you you guys. I'm pretty sure she addressed us that way. Oh, did she? I think she just made eye contact with you. I tried to like be like, hello, and then <laughs> I find that sometimes with this family tree listeners or f- or people who follow your account, they do box me out a little bit. And it's and like, well, you, I'm a little part of it. Did it make you feel sad? Yeah. <laughs> just unacknowledged, I guess. But continue. I just wanted to say the reason we're doing this tonight, because sometimes you do get that thought, what if we just skipped a week? Yeah. Is because this pod matters to at least one person in this world. And, you know, we so appreciate that. And I want to get back to that person in a moment. But we do have a great episode tonight. So on the interview side, we have Heather Lovato. And Heather is an entrepreneur. She is a very creative mind. And she just started a brand called Rhythm. And they do sustainable period care. So with Heather, we talk about... Like, honestly, just a lot about periods and a lot about our experiences with periods before before we had kids and now as, you know, postpartum women. But you don't even get periods, Alex. I get exclamation marks. Points, exclamation points. <laughs> marks sounds disgusting. Okay, so, uh, and did you know that, what, 75% of women or something, and I learned this in doing research for this episode would describe their entire underwear collection as soiled by a period at some point? 75%. Yeah. Are the what are like, the other 25% stained. doing? I don't know. They're lion. Lion or they do not wear certain pairs of underwear on the period. Oh. Mm-hmm. But and that's why you've never heard the term period panties? Uh I I just thought that meant larger panties so you could slip in a uh, Tampax or something. Well, it Maxi does- pad. <laughs> For a guy who buys my period products on the regular, I think you'd sound more confident. I don't know what I'm doing. When when I buy your period products, I walk into the nearest woman, whether she's working <laughs> there or not, and I just go, can you tell me where to get these? And then she happily walks me over there. So every everybody's got period panties, which essentially are just the pairs of underpants that you wear that you don't care about getting stained or getting ruined when you're on your period. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But we talk about 
sustainable period products because that's a huge issue. We talk about period poverty in tons of places in the world and especially in North America. And again, sharing our own stories and journey with different products like tampons, cups, discs, which I've never used, things like that. So super, super knowledgeable. Heather is sounded like Yoda. And I, I hope you guys appreciate this interview. I really had a great time doing it. If you're a man, would you recommend skipping this interview or could you still derive some value from it? You could derive lots of value from it if you are a man who has a woman in his life, if you have a girlfriend, a wife, or a daughter. Listen to it because you actually might be able to provide her with some really great information. What if you're a man, no women in your life? Well, then unless you're getting into gynecology or the period game in like, you know, products, maybe you're an entrepreneur. Hmm. But if you're not and you have like zero connection to period products, I might skip it. So there really is almost something for everyone here. (laughs) I think so. All right. Moving (laughs) on. What do we have here in front of us? It looks great. It looks great. And you know what? It's a seed lip and soda, seed lip, citrus, and we're keeping it real, real simple, simple, but nice. I garnished it with some uh, dried out, dried out citrus. That tastes strong, I was going to say, but it can't be because it's non-alcoholic. Well, I think the dried citrus Mm. helps. It gives it like a bit of a kick and makes you feel like you're drinking a cocktail even more. No, I like that. That's just what Papa ordered. (laughs) Good. Um, but Shane, about the listener who stopped us. So I told her, she was like, oh my God, I had nervous energy. I'm so sorry. I was like, hey, you had the best energy. You made our day. It felt fake because we were just, we're walking around. We were taking our daughter, Lucy and our daughter, Betty to go see a parrot. Like there's a famous parrot named Rosie. Rosie. She lives in an aviary. And then a car pulls up. (laughs) It's like, I'm listening to you right now. It felt it felt like we were being pranked. It, it definitely did. But, you know, I loved every second of it. And it felt great because prior to that, like the day before that, I had like maybe an awkward interaction with a listener who is very um, present on our page, on Instagram, on questions for the podcast, everything. Because I asked, I put it out there. I was like, hey, guys, in my stories, I'm sharing a lot of my life right now. And my life right now, I always share my life right now, but my life right now is... 13 hours a day on Shane's set and the guilt that I have from not being home with the kids and trying to get in as much kid time as I can while I'm home and then experiencing this totally new and creative thing that we're doing. And so I asked, I was like, do you guys, are you into this or not? And she said, I'm actually skipping all your content right now because, you know, no shade. I'm just not interested. Why is that awkward, though? You asked. You you could only have the answer yes. No, that's not the awkward part. So I messaged her and I was like, hey, um, just let you know, like, it's only stories. All the rest of the content is the same because I'm still putting a lot of thought in like posts many times a week. And the podcast, I was like, everything else is pretty normal. It's just the story. So I just want you to know so you don't just kind of dismiss everything for the time being. And then she left me on red for like 48 hours no and then more. got back to me. And then I made a joke. I was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, wanted to clarify. And then I thought you left me on scene. So I got nervous. And then she left me on scene for real. But what when she got back to you, what did she say? She was like, oh, uh, I it was like it was fine. It was like a normal message. It was just like. I was just telling you because I'm not interested in it and because mm-hmm. you asked. And I was like, yeah, no, that's fine. I just want to clarify that everything else is the same except for stories, which is fair mm-hmm. because I, I did want that opportunity to do so, right? Yeah. But you made it awkward. I think. 
think. Well, th- I'm not saying I didn't. I'm just saying it was an awkward interaction. Oh, yeah. And because uh, then she did leave me on scene and it's now been like four days. Mm-hmm. Let's just say left on red. <laughs> L- left on scene sounds weird. Yeah, it does. But anyway, so I'm sorry to that person. Um, but it's funny how much validation you can derive from having whatever it is you're doing recognized whether it's in the house doing the housework Mm -hmm. and maybe picking up more chores maybe it's something creative you know you're putting out a podcast you're working on a tv show you're doing something Mm -hmm. else you're doing something at work and you really do feel so validated from an outside person or somebody close to you recognizing and saying hey good job yes so yeah we're working on a sketch show right now Mm -hmm. and a good example of that is when you write a sketch uh, sometimes you'll write like, oh, we're at a there's the party store sketch, for example, and it's all these very specific party items for a woman's bachelorette party were written down. And they were very specific and crude and extreme and objects that don't exist. And someone went out and made all of these mm-hmm. objects like actually they had a 3D printer. They put a lot of effort. Sometimes they do an amalgam of existing products to make these comical products. To make the sketch funny. Wait, what was made in the 3D printer? Oh, I think there was um, there were, uh, there was like a, a dildo squirt gun, I think. That was made in a 3D? I thought yeah. she just bought that. No, there was there was some stuff that was yeah, made. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I, I know there was 3D printers mm. being used. Anyway, it was a lot of work and like labels. <laughs> there was this special soda that mm-hmm. I won't say on the mic, but it was a very particular comical type of soda. And she made a label that looked very realistic. Anyway, you just end up shooting the skit and all these products you take for granted, they're just there. You're just like beep, 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 bringing them through. You shoot the skit and then you go home. And then I was like, oh, for the person who made that, Mm -hmm. she must feel very unrecognized. So the next day I was just like, oh, you did a really good job on that. And then she was like, oh, and she felt recognized because I could tell that she probably felt unrecognized. Actually, I, I had a same, the same conversation, similar anyway, with mm. the same person. Uh, for one skit, you needed this dessert to be lit on fire. So the dessert, I had never heard of it before. It's called a baked Alaska. Flaming Alaska, isn't it? Baked Alaska okay. or Flaming Alaska. There's different ways you can call it. If you, I looked it up on Wikipedia. So basically, it's like this ice cream with meringue on it or something, and you light it on fire. And she made a fake baked Alaska out of caulking, you know, like what you use in your kitchen or your bathroom. And she did like this really incredible job and it really looked like meringue. And I was telling her how amazing it was and how I was like totally fooled. And she was so happy to hear that. And like she's spending hours and hours and I doubt sleeping much putting together these products. Like for the sketch Shane was just talking about, this woman was up until like the early hours of the morning baking penis shaped garlic bread. Yes. Like it's and, wild. And the sketch sounds so base level and stupid, but it's actually a good sketch. It, it is. I, I think the sketch is one of the better ones. And there's a twist on it rather than just that party store items are silly for bachelorette parties. But anyway, it's all to say that so many people do a lot that we don't even think about or, or recognize. Mm-hmm. And it is always nice to be recognized because people don't necessarily leave a lot of reviews. I know I personally have never left a review on anyone's yeah. podcast and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't necessarily leave YouTube comments on things I enjoy. I just assume there's some other Reddit mm-hmm. person doing it for <laughs> me. So when you actually do encounter someone in real life, that's the rarest form to be out there 
in real life and to see someone who appreciates what you do, it's amazing. Yeah. Like what are the odds of encountering a person in real life when there's so much content and someone's actually consuming it at that very Mm -hmm. moment as they pass you? That's serendipitous. You know, it it was amazing. It felt amazing. I think this is why I kind of got like nervous or got worried or got my back up when the person said she was skipping all my content because I was like, no, I'm still creating and I'm still putting things out there that are, you know, the regular stuff that I'm always doing. And I I got kind of offended that everything was getting swept out under the rug because stories in my mind are so different than everything else, every other Mm -hmm. medium. And uh, I got a little bit sad. Yeah, it's tough when what you're doing in your life isn't interesting to someone. But you also did put the question out there and you do want those honest answers. Oh, 100%. But, but I just didn't want her to skip everything because not everything is about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think that's fair? Or was I well, being unreasonable? Sometimes it's hard to wade through the bullshit and be like, yeah. <laughs> and algorithms are so messed up. If Ugh. you're not viewing it, sometimes you hop right off the feed. Yeah. But do you know what I do like when I have an awkward encounter? And I'm not the awkward person. It's very rare. Yeah. But it, when it happens to me, I don't know. It's just exhilarating. Yeah. But see, hmm, this happens all the time because I at least have one awkward encounter a day where it's my fault. And I have one in- awkward encounter a day, I'd say, where it's the other person being awkward. Like every single time. And it always makes me feel good because... I never cared that the other person was awkward because I'm like, oh, they're probably sitting there thinking about how awkward they feel like I do. I don't care at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm happy. Same. So happy for me (laughs) that I don't, I'm I'm like, yes, other people are fallible. I'm not the only one in the world. I had, I had a moment today. So we took Lucy to her first house league basketball thing Mm -hmm. and it was like super cute. I know, I know a bunch of people also there like a bunch of the other parents uh and i see one man and we you know we say hey whatever because we walked by him once and then i had to walk by him again to get shane and then i walked back to the gym then i walked by him again because i had to do something else and so now we've been through the hey hey how are you like pleasantries like already two times too many but he's looking at me and he kind of opens his mouth to say something and then closes it because he's like, no, I, I don't have anything to say. I don't need to say anything. But then I just continued to stare at him like with like a face saying, what were you going to say, pal? So then he said something that was like totally stupid and just it, not stupid in the sense that it was like. What did he say? No, it was like going to do the uh, the old the old drop off. You stay in, you're going. And it was just like an awkward thing because mm-hmm. he decided to speak too late. Yes. And the fact that he decided to speak at all and didn't really have anything to say. And then I was like, nah, I'm staying. And then we just kind of looked at <laughs> each other. <laughs> That's I, really good. And then I nodded and then he nodded and then I just walked away. Oh. And we both left the situation just feeling like, all right, that, that yeah. was. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. I wish I didn't come. Yeah. yeah. That's the reason I don't like leaving the house. Just for that eight seconds of awkwardness sometimes just makes me never want to go have moments. No, but, but it, it, it's kind of funny. Yeah, it is. But that moment that you just described, I feel like it's one of the most common moments mm-hmm. that is never really articulated or seen in movies or anything. Yeah. 
because people do talk about the one where you're like, all right, bye, see you later. And then you both walk in the same direction. Mm -hmm. That one's common. But the one you just said, I find is very common, but no one ever talks about it. Yeah. The other one you hear about is when somebody's like, okay, have a good flight. And you go, you too. But they're not like flying anywhere. Oh, that's like the, the most is classic super, one. Yeah. I'm just saying you've recognized one. And I think for the first time put in a podcast something that a lot of people don't talk about. <laughs> the stigmatized awkward moment yes. but yeah no it was it was awful and those kinds of things happen all the time and the other one that happens is where i just start rambling and i say way too much and i'm like oh they don't care you're big on that you right when someone's about to say goodbye mm -hmm. you'll just add another 10 minutes to it I know. And it's like, and I, I always look at you and I'm like, what? Why would you do that? I'll either start saying something or I'll ask them a question that requires a thoughtful answer. Or mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like, had a bad one this week. So you probably, do you know what it is? No. Oh, um. so we drop Lucy off. And then I, I'm just like, I'm used to, like, I'm, I'm in kid mode. And where I was. We, wait, where did we drop her off? We dropped Lucy off at school. Okay. We, it was the first day because mm. we. Uh, our set where we were shooting was right across from Lucy's school. So I got to walk Lucy to school. So I give her a hug and I say, I love you. And then we meet our friend Julian. I see him walking oh, right. to work and I'm with him. But I'm in like kid mode. So instead of saying goodbye to him, I said, I love you. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, I did. Oh. I said, I love you to him. And then he was taken aback. And then there was just this big pause and we walked away. But I was thinking about it for like two days. <laughs> Just like how, I'm an idiot. What am I doing? And it wasn't funny and it wasn't sincere. It lived in this weird world. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I love you. Yeah, that isn't that weird. That's not funny or sincere. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't know. I don't think he knew how to take it. He probably went home, told his wife, and now I'm probably <laughs> not welcome around them. And I think we had a, a weird, awkward moment with them at Mike's 40th birthday party. Where for some reason we were we had a few drinks and we were just talking about like kids shitting and pissing in their pants, but they weren't into it at all. And we kept it going for like an hour. What, him and his wife? Yeah. <laughs> Me and you? We just cornered them and talked to them. We didn't know what to talk about because we're not used to being social. And it was just like, oh yeah, they pee their pants. And they weren't saying anything. But oh, no. we were trapping them. Oh no! Oh yeah, Shane. I didn't. Eat, I had no recollection of that, and I'm so upset that you brought that up because that's awful. Yeah, everybody's been that person though before. Most people have been. That I'm person. always that person. It, it's very rare when I'm not doing that. I gotta snap out of it and become a normal person somehow. Yeah, folks, please be awkward around Shane and I. We love it. We love it and we need it. And uh, I say with that, let's get into our interview with yes, Heather Lovato. Because full disclosure, I told Alex we're keeping this. Open and close to half an hour in totality. We'll probably go a little bit over. But yeah, before we get to our guest, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. They make the best nursing bras and everyday bras so you can get your hands on. So Shane got a nursing bra for me about four years ago now, and we've been singing their praises ever since. And this is because they're so practical and easy to use. Like, it's just I don't know what it is about it easier to use than other nursing bras I'm telling you and so much more comfortable and they look great under a t-shirt and I was going through it when I first started nursing Lucy and Betty like both times. I was in pain. It was excruciating and my Bravado Designs nursing bra was literally the only thing that I could wear on my chest every single day. 
but now they have their everyday collection. So these are bras with no clips. They're not just for nursing mothers. They're for anybody with boobs and they look beautiful. The same quality that you love about the nursing bras. And again, look great under a t-shirt. So get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off your order. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and thisfamilytree20. We are also supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that Shane and I have been trying to reduce our environmental footprints. One way we're doing this is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household. Because with two kids and like four of us all together, it can really pile up. And on True Earth's website, you are going to find so many products that will help you do this or help you meet whatever sustainable goals you're trying to meet. So one of the first things we got rid of were our laundry detergent bottles because not only do they use so much water and it's a waste to make that liquid detergent, but those big bulky bottles were taking up so much space in our laundry room and it was just a lot of plastic that we thought could be an easy cut. So we met True Earth Eco Strips. This laundry detergent comes in pre-measured soluble strips and you simply rip them apart and toss them in your washer. And the best part is that there is no plastic because the packaging is so compact. It's not only drastically changed our like plastic footprint, but it's drastically changed how our laundry room actually looks. We have so much more space now. And as a family with kids who have really sensitive skin, we often opt for the baby detergent because it's fragrance free. It's gentle on everybody's skin. It's still so tough on messes. Our clothes come out smelling great and crispy clean. But Shane and I recently discovered their lilac breeze scent and he's obsessed and basically that's all we're washing our stuff in from now on. But you will love this product. Take my word for it. You can get it at true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're getting 10% off your order. Again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. And now let's get to our interview with Heather. So Heather, welcome to this Family Tree podcast. I am so happy to have you. I I have lots of questions. I want to pick your brain about so many things, your company's motherhood, everything. But first, can you give us a bit of an introduction? Who are you? What do you do? What do you tell a stranger? Yes, absolutely. I call this like my first date pitch. I always love it when someone's like, tell me about you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a manifesting generator Virgo. It's my season right now. Yay. I love um, and if you haven't checked out human design or even know what a manifesting generator is, definitely Google it. It opened up so much to who I am as a human why I'm here, what I'm doing. Like it answered so many questions that I probably in my twenties was like, what's happening okay. with my life? Wait, can we stay here for a second? Because <laughs> we, we will finish with the intro. I do need to know a little bit more about what the heck this is because I barely know what my star sign means. Like I am so far removed from this world. So yeah. a manifesting manifest, like I know what manifestation is. So manifesting generator, there's five different types, and this is a little different from astrology, um, but it de- it is based on your birth time. So like, and I definitely love astrology too. Um, I think it's so interesting because it seems so woo-woo and wacky, but in what I do in my day job, which is my main marketing business, I have a lot of very like spiritual and um, just like very kind of like hippie woo-woo clients. So this is kind of what got me into all of it. But basically there's five types. There's like reflector, which is the most rare. And I may be misquoting, but I'm pretty sure Lauren, the skinny, the skinny confidential founder is a reflector, if I'm remembering correctly, which is like so interesting. And there's projectors, which really 
are kind of like your mirrors in different ways. And I'm in no way an expert on this. You definitely should look up like um, Jenna Zoe, um, Aaron Claire Jones are two great profiles that I always follow. Um, but then there's a manifestor, which very much is like manifestation. Like they're constantly creating and like just living in that land. And then there's a manifesting generator, which is what I am, which is a blend of a manifestor and a generator. And generators like that workhorse, they're tactical. Like they like to go and, and get things done. And the manifestor is like, okay, I want to follow what lights me up. And until it doesn't anymore, like I'm out. So I'm like a blend of those things where, and it makes so much sense to me because I, I mean, I started businesses when I was in college. I started a company called Scrap Monkey and it literally was back. In, I'm totally going to date myself, but it was <laughs> back when like creative memories was a thing and like everyone was scrapbooking. Right. So I started a business in college to make money and I started scrapbooking all these moms' photos of their kids. This and that was back when you'd actually print photos. Yeah. I was Genius. like, I'm going to become a rep. So I joined creative memories. I started selling their products. I started making the books for these moms and I like put myself through college. So it's amazing. It was just like, I've always been just a little bit of an entrepreneur and um, it makes so much sense. Cause I was like, cool. That got me through college. Like it wasn't my passion out. And then I would always have all these multiple ideas of like, I want to do this. Oh, I love doing that. Like I want to try this. And even in my childhood, like I did soccer for a little while and then I went to do dance and my parents were like, stick to one thing, but like manifesting generators can't, like you literally cannot. It's like, you have to do what lights you up and then you move on and that's how they're successful. So anyone, if you know someone who's like a real estate agent and teaches yoga on the side and owns like a hair salon, they're probably a manifesting generator. I love, okay. So when you said manifesting generator, I thought it was like, you know, like a personality generator thing where you type in, you do it like, <clears throat> sorry, we have a thing too, a throat thing. <laughs> We're all sick around here. <laughs> um, but I thought you meant it was like a thing where you type in qualities or do an online test and then it generates something about you. That's what I thought you meant. I'm oh. so glad you explained that. That is so fascinating. And if this is something Lauren Everts is into, she's been on our pod before, yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. Oh, it's so cool. You should have Erin Claire Jones on. She's magical. And so it's, so human design is what it is. And if you go on, there's a couple different platforms, just like astrology, you can generate your your chart and understand what you are and you can start researching it. So then you'll be one of the five types. So you'll either be a reflector, a projector, a manifester, a manifesting generator, or a generator. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that sidetrack. I really appreciate that. That was very (laughs) in-depth. Yes. I'm like, and it'll explain my intro because I definitely have multiple things going on. So it makes a lot of sense. So in addition to my wonderful manifesting generator self, um, I am a wife. I've been married to my husband for almost seven years. I have two lovely, magical tornado children. And I feel like a lot of your listeners would get that because they're three and five. And I feel like I'm in this vortex of like, amazingness and like my heart is exploding every day and like pure chaos. Mm-hmm. It's so, exhausting. <laughs> the love yeah. is exhausting. Oh, it's wild. And I feel like you and I can relate on our youngest because my youngest is also a girl. She's three and she's freaking fearless. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I love it. Like I want to bottle it and sell it and like keep it in her forever. Yes. But I also am like, dear God, please listen to me. Yeah. Just stop. Like, please. And then my son's like Mr. Cautious, you know, and he's like, I mean, he's the firstborn for sure. So anyways, <laughs> that's my life with children. And, and I'm also an entrepreneur. So I'm very creative. As you can tell, like, I love talking to people. I'm very bubbly and it just naturally led me into PR. So I started a conscious creative agency about 10 years ago. It's called Clover PR. We focus on beauty, health and wellness brands and 
really just helping them anywhere from my favorite is working with small, like new businesses, but we've worked with big corporations like Origins and Bellicon and um, Mini Lutz and Small Ritual. Obsessed with Origins. Yes, aren't they amazing? <laughs> yeah. That was such a great brand to work on. And, um, so. but we've also worked with like, the brands that like no one's heard of. And then we see them lined up against Chanel, you know, like we did like a fragrance brand and it was like, I mean, it's so magical to see that happen and know what it's like for the founder to have that piece. So love what I do there. Um, and then recently I started another brand called Rhythm, which is an elevated period care brand. So hence the manifesting generator. I'm like, I have all these businesses, but it's like, I love, I think that's why I love Clover PR so much too, because I'm constantly working on new businesses. So in a way it feels that like keep creating and keep doing new because I'm always helping different brands out. Yeah. It's that sense of just constantly moving forward, I think, and mm-hmm. newness and new ideas and new people. So it, I, I'm, con- I'm questioning what I am because see, I like, I do the same thing as you. It's like I follow something until it doesn't fill me up anymore and then I just like I'm so happy to be out I do that in relationships too like not my marriage like I'm here to stay (laughs) but I did that in relationships prior to this (laughs) and um but I do that with everything like used to play the saxophone I dabbled in drums and guitar every sport known to man but then I'm also happy just to like do nothing it's like if everything ended tomorrow I'd be like all right like I'll I'll chill, you know? I mean, I kind of, I mean, I don't take this the wrong way, anybody. I didn't love COVID, but I loved the vibe of like, we're just going to stay in that tight little circle and we're just not going to have a million plans on our calendar. I'm a little Mm. overstimulated right now with life being back to normal and all the plans. So I get it of like, I mean, I wasn't looking for everything to just go into a complete stop, but when it did, I was like, oh, Mm-hmm. Well, this is kind of nice, you know, but it's not my nature to be that way. And I have to be forced to do it. I bet you are a manifesting generator. You're going to have to figure it out and let me know because now I'm curious. Too. Oh, I will. And I will get back to you because I do think <laughs> we're similar. And, you know, my listeners know how Shane and I felt about COVID, you know, lo- very complicated mixed feelings, but it was also yeah. in some ways the best thing for our relationship, the best thing for our family to kind of slow down, reconnect, do the things that made us happy together because mm-hmm. life gets so crazy and chaotic. But all that aside, I want to talk about rhythm. So you you brought yeah. that up. So that is – you. I like how you said it was an elevated menstrual care brand. What do you mean by elevated? Because I know it's sustainable. Is that kind of yes. in that elevated category or how do, how do you well, describe that? Yes, but it's really just about changing the experience of your period. And I think from the mission of what we're trying to do, but also our products. So it really came about because I, after my two children had like my periods changed in not a good way. And I was not that woman that was like, oh, I breastfed for a full year. And like my period never came back. So I got pregnant again. I had a friend who didn't have a period for five years. And I was like, I, I wish hate you. Yeah, no, four months in, bam, let's go. Like, and I was fully breastfeeding. So it was just like, really shocking to me. And then that was shocking in itself. But then I got massive cramps. I mean, cramps that I hadn't had since I was a teenager. Um, at one point I thought I was having prolapse or like pelvic floor issues. And at 30, it was 35, 36 at that time, I didn't even know what my pelvic floor was. And so in my head, I'm like, wait a minute, there's like these things about my body that I don't even know. And I really started digging into like hormones, my body, what's happening. Um, and also to, I mean, my hormones were through the roof. Like I would literally 
poor my poor husband, I would just see red with him like three mm-hmm. days before my period. And my life was ending like with all those memes on social, like where it's like, Oh, I thought my life was ending. Ha ha. Got my period. It's like, that was what I was living. And it just was like so exhausting and frustrating. And then my body started rejecting tampons. Like literally I would go through a super plus for an hour and a half and I'd have to change. So I was in the bathroom 24 seven, the first yeah. three days, just like such a heavy flow. And I'm like, this is insane. And I like, I'm just miserable, but then my body like wasn't keeping tampons in and that mentally messed with me. <laughs> Hold on. So do you, do you mean, again, this is something that, and this is the reason why I was one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on and to pick your brain because I am going through fucking hell right now with my menstrual cycle and I feel bad for everybody around me I feel bad for me like I am pitying myself I'm a fool and I am pitying this self fool it's awful so with the rejection I want to know what you mean because I want to know if it's what I'm experiencing but is it like and when you talk about prolapse I have been concerned and I I know I had very mild prolapse after my kids because they were sitting low it was like a huge issue Um, but right now it is mild. However, when I use a tampon, TMI, all of our male listeners, I'm sure you are tuning out right now and coming back in for the end, but (laughs) my, um, tampons like start falling out and it's like, it's like my body's rejecting them, but like they'll start getting pushed out and then it becomes really painful. And then they're really painful to take out. And then I'm like, oh my God, is it, prolapse pushing them out but i'm i'm Mm -hmm. going through this right now and it's awful okay so first off i feel your pain and you're not a fool for pitying yourself it is miserable (laughs) it is miserable to be living in just being miserable you Mm -hmm. know like it's like you you want to feel happier and then you go through all these emotions of like right before you start your period it's like why it's like i'll get in arguments or like like be mad about something in my head and i'm like why am i mad about this i don't even care about this like what is going on um, but the pushing out of the period or the tampons is literally the same thing for me. It's just, they were like falling out. And mm-hmm. for a minute, I'm like, oh my gosh, I had two kids vaginally. What have I done to my body? Like, I'm yeah. thinking of all these quotes from like these movies, you know, like Ron Burgundy and stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where I am. You know, <laughs> like, wow, we have hit the low. <laughs> and that is like, my poor ego took such a digger. Yeah. And it was, you know, when you're dealing with postpartum emotions and, hormones. So I dug into my hormones and it took me about a year to find the right doctor to really like get to the root with me and not just be like, Oh, I mean, I had one doctor literally that just like prescribed me progesterone without even testing my levels. She was like, Mm -hmm. you probably need progesterone. Here you go. And to you, my story about that, I also, two years later, I'm still lactating a little bit. And I was like, well, why am I like, I was thinking hormones. Okay. You know, like there's so much kind of like, why am I still producing some milk? And she was like, well, how are you producing? I'm like, well, if I squeeze, like it comes out, it's so weird. She's like, well, just don't squeeze. I'm like, great. Thanks doc. Like, obviously I'm not sitting there like squeezing all day, but it's weird to me that this is still happening. Can we find out why? Like me, I thought she was going to be like, oh, you could have high levels of estrogen still, or, oh, that's totally normal. You can lactate up to five years after having a baby. No, she just straight up was like, she literally was typing and stopped and said, just don't do that. Like, it was like, she was annoyed. I'm like, well, I'm annoyed with you now because I want to understand what my body's doing Mm -hmm. and I I don't get it. Like tampons are flying out. I'm still lactating. Like I should just nurse another baby. Like what is happening with my body? And I'm also very angry at you right now, (laughs) you know? 100%. And I mean, the one plus is of lactating that long because this happened after my first, it's really good for skincare. (laughs) 
<laughs> just throwing I that out there. bottled up is what you're saying. <laughs> it is not bad. Anytime I broke out after I weaned my first and I was still lactating, like little you're milk like, mask, <laughs> honest, no, like fully on my face. I had skin like before I hit puberty. Just saying. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, now I know that trick if I have ever break or my husband, I'm like, here, honey, just dab dab. You're going to be fine. <laughs> and if you listen to Skinny Confidential, she was recently just talking about an even if this is possible, grosser method of uh, bodily functions of skincare. So I like, I think my method is the, is the more marketable one. You're a little more mild. I get it. I love it. Um, okay. So back to tampons being pushed out. I, I don't know if it's normal, but I feel like for me, my body was telling me like, no more, you know, like, and I don't, I don't know if it was from any prolapse or whatever, but I just know like they were not staying in, but I have no problem keeping a cup in like a mm -hmm. cup is fine. My body's happy with it. So it got to the point where I had to change. Like I had to do something different. I didn't want to wear pads for multiple reasons. One, they're like made of like 90% plastic and microplastic. Like I, I don't want to put that out in the earth. So my option was a cup or a disc. So I went with a cup. And first use was like, oh, all right, like this is interesting, but I'm happier. And my, I wasn't in the bathroom half as much. I didn't have as much cramping. Like there's a lot of things that happen. So I'm like, this is interesting. So then round two, next cycle, I used it again. I figured out where it needed to be placed. I figured out the fold I liked. I figured out the cup I liked because they all are a little different. Mm -hmm. And I was so surprised. I'm like, this is magical. Like, why did no one tell me about a cup as an option in my teens? Because they were available. They've been around for decades. Like I this isn't a new contraption. Yes, mm -hmm. they've been around for a really long time, but people don't talk about them. Like they're not, it's it's tampons, it's pads. What do you want? You know, I remember when I started my period, my cousin just like slipped a tampon under the door. There wasn't even a conversation. There wasn't even really a conversation with my mom. It was just kind of like, this is what you do. You're going to feel miserable for a few days. Not meet my doll, move on, you know? And I'm like, okay, like, this, this, I mean, this is how women operate now. It's like, this is what we're taught. We're taught that you're a woman, you're going to be miserable during your period. It is what it is. Like, take my doll, take Tylenol, put a heat pack on your stomach and move on, you know? And that's just not how it has to be. And your body's trying to tell you things with those symptoms, whether it's a minor thing or a major thing. Um, I've just learned so much, like, digging into my body around like what it's trying to really do. And our bodies are so sophisticated. So, and that's really why rhythm came about. It was like, okay, cups need to happen. And there's a ton of cup brands out there, but the reason we're elevated period care is we, I'm really passionate about changing the experience. I think as a cup user, we still sacrifice so much in like just feeling good around our periods. And it's not just for the, you know, two to seven days that you're menstruating that you need care. Like women, we need support through our entire cycles. Men go through a 24 hour cycle with their hormones. We go through a 20, like a four week cycle, you know, like it's not the same. And so we need more than just like, here's your period care for the days you have your period. Like we need support around the clock. Mm -hmm. And so we've got supplements and other supplements that we're developing. Um, I've got, you know, other things in the works that aren't out quite yet, but we've got like a patent pending cup that's coming out. That's going to help with transitioning and just like using a cup in general. Um, I just think that there's so much more that can be done in this industry and it needs to be innovated a little bit. And there's definitely brands out there that are, that are trying to do the same, but I feel like with us, it's like, I just, I feel like your period is actually a beautiful thing and it, it should be feel empowering and it should feel like we just need confidence around it. There's so much shame. I remember like hiding my tampons oh, yeah. in the grocery line and like, you know, I was like 25 or six or seven. I mean, I've bought tampons for, you know, 20 years and I'm like, 
sitting there like, oh my gosh, he's going to scan my tampon box. Like shit, shit, shit. Okay. How do, what do I do? Uh, you know? And then he scans it. And I'm like, <laughs> like, those aren't for me. I mean, I'm sitting here like as a woman, clearly the likelihood of me having a period is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. So why am I embarrassed? Like why? I mean, I carried that, that embarrassment for so long or like dating my, my boyfriend or husband, now boyfriend at the time. And I was like, oh, I got to wrap up my tampon in like 7,000. Like I'm yes. going to use a whole toilet paper roll to hide it. Oh my know? God. And then just a big wad that takes up the entire garbage yeah. can. Yeah. It's also so obvious, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> clearly they know what that is, but it's like, you just don't talk about it. You know, you're like, mm, do, 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 okay, it's fine. And I feel like even in families, there's so much that's not necessarily talked about. So we don't, I mean, there's other cultures that literally it's like a consignor. It is a full blown celebration, especially mm-hmm. like in indigenous cultures, you come out, I mean, and you are being honored because you have become a woman. And I like want to bring that power back to people and like help people understand like this is amazing. Like because of this, you might be able to have children one day, like you're evolving. Like, you know, I'm not sitting, you know, we're not going to sit here and like, you know, parade period cups around all day, but like, let's celebrate that we're women and like bring back some of that like cool mystery to a woman too. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a period. I bleed for five to seven days and I don't die. Like think about that you know like it's magic yeah no, there I, th- I think there is so much magic when it comes to women's bodies and what we're capable of what we do from for some people a very young age and what we're what we go through every single month because like you said it is hard it's hard on us physically it's pain associated it's hard on us mentally it's hard on, on us emotionally and like after I had my second kid and now um, I'm, I've am i weaned her. So like that's already like a huge hormone surge. And I've had COVID three times since March. And like it has been hell and we have been really careful. And it's I unluckiest person, but I heard that COVID could also have an impact on your cycle. And since having COVID those times, um, I have noticed that even my – PMS has turned into something more serious, which I I have to get looked at. But it's like the emotions are so much more heightened. There's so much more work. Like there's so much worse. And it's it's scary. And it's like going through this every month. And it's like, hold on. No, I actually am not thinking these things like or I'm thinking them. But rationally, I know I don't care about them. I know this isn't where my brain is. So why right now does it feel like the world is collapsing in on me? And we do this monthly. Because you're not, there's some imbalance going on. Yes. month. It's like, it's not just like every now and then we have a little moment. It's like every month we know this is coming. That brings on its own anxiety. But also um, the person I ended up landing on for helping me medically was a functional health coach. And with all the, the tests that I did, I found out, actually my hormones are producing great. So I don't need progesterone. And had I started taking that synthetic progesterone, I actually would have been doing more damage to my body. Mm -hmm. I'm not absorbing estrogen correctly. So my estrogen isn't being put where it's supposed to, and I'm absorbing it in like a negative way. Mm -hmm. So there's different pathways that it can go. And I just learned about this, but mine is not being absorbed in the right way. So I need to eat raspberries. I need to eat prunes. I need to eat flaxseed twice a day. There's all nutritional things that she's doing. And then I do have a few supplements, but we're trying that route first before going down like an actual prescription, which is fine. Like I'm totally fine if I have to take a prescription, but I do love trying a little bit more of like a holistic path first. And it's, it's done me really well so far. So that was really interesting to me too, was like, okay, I was right. 
like something's off with my hormones, but it's not what like general medicine was thinking. It's actually something completely different. And if I hadn't a push to do these tests, I would have never known that my dopamine's down a little bit too, which was interesting. Cause I was like, I felt that, but I didn't feel like I was depressed or anything. Like I'm super happy and life's amazing and challenging and all the things, but like it felt normal, but she's like, your dopamine's a little bit down. I was like, okay, that does make sense because sometimes I'm just like maxed, you know, like I am tapped up, but I always chalk it up to motherhood. I'm like, Oh, I'm a mom of two young kids. Like it is what it is, but no, there's something a little off. And that in itself is such an issue worldwide for women where we're ignoring problems, ignoring alcoholism, ignoring emotional problems, mental health issues, because we're chalking it up to motherhood. And, you know, like when you were saying you're just getting prescribed something without your doctor really looking into it, it's because yeah, that's women's health everywhere women's health is treated like shit. It's like we are the bearers of literally this entire world, but there's such little funding for our health. And like for women's related diseases, like I have lupus, getting diagnosed with that was a two-year process. My doctors still don't know what the heck lupus is, even though it affects millions and millions of people, mostly women. And everything to do with women is just so swept under the rug. It's Mm -hmm. like, great, have your baby, get out there, you're a mom, and now that you've had those babies, we're not really concerned too much about your well-being. And that's, I think, the message that so many countries deliver to their women. So when you come out with a brand that does put women's health first, I really find I gravitate to those. And I like the options that Rhythm has. because So you have a cup and a disc. I love Mm -hmm. cups. I use cups. I've only ever tried one. But I'm realizing that after kids, I actually – it kind of caused a little pain. I don't like how the one I'm using sits there anymore. I've been using the Diva Cup for like 10 years. But I want to change now. So I like I, I want to see what else is there. But how do I know like a cup or a disc? Like what's good for me? What's the difference? Yeah. I'm, well, a cup, a cup sits lower in your vaginal canal. A, a disc is actually up like closer to your cervix. So if I like prolapse, might that be – like mild prolapse or like if my body's like pushing things out, should I try, mm-hmm. like, do you think a disc would be better? I mean, I think it would be interesting to try, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not an expert in that space. That's why we have our experts here. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, I'm not an OBGYN. I'm definitely not going to pretend to be, I think having that up could definitely be better because it's higher up and it's, you know, you've got more gravity to work with. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely try it. I think the thing about discs that I love too, is like, it can be worn during sex. Like it just gives a little bit more flexibility to, what you might want to do. I know. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, like, just, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at Heather with wide eyes. That's wild. But yeah, I guess it's I know like- it is. When I read it too, I was like, wow, that's so interesting. But the way it's positioned, it makes sense. And it's, you know, that's nice for women. Like I think about back in the day, like when I was just starting to have sex, like, and I'd be like, oh, sorry, not today. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It could just open up certain intimacies for people. And I think that's something too. We have a UTI product and this is totally segueing, but Um, I battled with really bad UTIs in my twenties. I don't know what happened in my thirties when I had kids, but it did switch something down there and I don't get them that much anymore, but I got them every single, I mean, all the time. It was Mm -hmm. so annoying. And especially after sex, it was like, you'd immediately get up and run to the bathroom and rinse, wash, pee. Like that was what I did. So there was never any like intimacy after. I feel like I got a little robbed of that for a while because like I couldn't snuggle. I was like, okay, gotta go. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just, I look back, I'm like, dang, that was like not fun. And then I found Demanos and it's an extract that is a cranberry extract, like out of um, certain plants. And it is a sugar that helps you clean your urinary tract. 
And I was like, this is so genius. Like, why did I not know about this? So I started taking it daily and I didn't get UTIs anymore. It was incredible. So we have that in our supplement um, little wardrobe because I'm like, we need to have that. People need to know about that if they're getting chronic UTIs. And we also have like a flushing situation that has a bunch of different ingredients um, that they can use as well. So if you're like feeling it, come on, like drink that or do it a couple times a week to flush. But I feel like, you know, UTIs too are something that's so common that now it's going to be becoming more popular. I do see a lot of UTI products coming out, which I love, but I feel like that was something I carried around too, as a woman and just like dealing with vaginal health and stuff where I'm like, I'm just living in like this hell. I was eating Azo like it was candy, which is like this pain pill, you know, I'm like, this is, that was just my normal too. And chugging cranberry juice. It's like, I didn't know any better. So, you know, I feel like too, with the disc and being able to wear it during sex, it might just change some things for people just in the way they kind of navigate, you know, how they want to be intimate and things like that. And I think it's important. So that was a cool thing about the disc for me. I mean, I think it's, it's different when you're putting it in, like you have to be comfortable to get up there. Um, and like insert it, you know, correctly. Um, but I do think it's really great. And it might be something you want to try if you really do, if you've had minor prolapse and you feel like things are just kind of not sitting right, I think it'd be worth a shot. See, I like that as like an, uh, evenings and weekends option when I'm at home and like have access to, you know, my sinks right there, everything like that. I think that's like amazing. And that's when I want to use it. And you, you mentioned UTIs and being robbed of that intimacy and that like amazing experience that can come after getting really intimate. And it's like I had a friend in university, same thing, suffered so many UTIs. Neither one of us even knew about really any of that. It was like early. And then I was reading, and this is so embarrassing. I was reading Ron Jeremy's book, and that's not the embarrassing part, although it kind (laughs) of is. But And he was talking about the importance of going pee after having sex for women. And I was like, hold are you doing, I'm like to my, my, to my friend, I'm like, are you doing this? Are you doing, Ron Jeremy just said you need to do this. Are you doing it? And she's like, oh no, nobody really ever told me that. And I'm like, again, women's health just getting swept under the rug. Everybody's assuming somebody else is telling us, but then yeah. you read it in freaking disgusting Ron Jeremy's book. And, <laughs> and then Ron Jeremy gives you health advice and your life's better, which is really <laughs> ironic. Yeah. But, uh, and that was like sad like looking back on that, it's like sad and it, it helped her. You know what yeah, I mean? It really does. You know? And so it's like, like you said, it's like, there's so much education that we just don't have. I mean, literally at 35 and 36, when I started going through this stuff, I learned stuff about my body and I'm about my periods. I'm sitting here like, I'm like, I'm 36. Like, how am I just still learning about my body? Like, I love being able to evolve and learn new things, but like, I should know what's happening here at 36, Mm -hmm. you know, like I should understand my body a little bit more and it's not from not wanting to, it's because literally there's, there's nowhere to go. Like you're constantly Googling and finding doctors and going to appointments or asking your friends and like, just, you know, you have to be so proactive in your own health these days. And it's, I'm not knocking Western medicine. I think it's definitely, it has its place and there's really great doctors out there, but like you have to find them. Not, it's not, every doctor is not equal, you know? All right, Heather, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by Mini Miosh. Mini Miosh is a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable clothing company founded and created in Toronto. Mini Miosh, for as long as they have existed, have believed in quality over quantity, and that is their whole model. They want to make 
basics for your littles that are soft, comfortable, timeless, and can be passed from child to child regardless of gender. Their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low-impact, non-toxic dyes. They have also recently, and this is exciting, come out with a women's collection. So this is, again, the simpleness that you love with Mini Miage, but for you. And it's all made of French terry. It's ethical and sustainable as always. And again, the quality is just superb. And like, I do not take mine off. I have women on our TV show set now buying the whole outfits and they don't take theirs off. I truly stand by this. So Minnie Miosh and Em and Wes, their women's collection, are on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. So you can find the company online at miniemiosh.com or at miniemiosh on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree15, you're getting 15% off your order. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. It's one use per customer, so load up your cart. You won't regret it. And again, that is minimiosh.com and this family treat 15. And now let's get back to our interview. Yeah, if you don't advocate for yourself, you are getting lost in the fold. And it's mm-hmm. hard and it's exhausting and it's hard to do with kids. I put off so many yeah. health issues because I don't have time and it shouldn't be like that. Um, one product that Rhythm actually has that I was curious about because it's been a question that I've gotten for like, in our we have a, the end part of our podcast is called the mailbag segment. So people write in questions and give us topics that they want us to talk about. And then, it, you know, we can connect with our listeners. But somebody, and it was a while ago, but I've been thinking about it. They wrote in about how they get um, like bacterial vaginosis or like itchy, like yeast, some either bacterial vaginosis or yeast. I don't know. After their period, every time like clockwork because their pH gets screwed up. And mm-hmm. is that... I know Rhythm has pH balancing wipes. Would that like help with preventing that? Like what do the wipes do? I mean, the wipes are just great for cleansing. Like you're not putting them inside to like clear any bacteria, but you know, it's just helping wipe and clean the outside. It's also too, we have them because we want you to be able to clean your cup. Like say you're out and about and you have to change it. We want you to be able to wipe down your cup and clean your cup and sanitize it. Say you forgot a second one to change it and out, or you don't have somewhere to put that. It's really just like a cleansing mechanism for us. I do feel like, you know, if you're not cleaning your cup properly and you're not changing it out, like you should, um, you know, they do recommend like every 12 hours changing your cup and having two to switch between so that you can sanitize it. I know people that don't do that and they're fine. I know people that do it and they're, and you know, it's, it, they are really regimented about it. I think it's really knowing your body, everybody's balance and, and levels are different and how they can handle things. Um, but we have it just as more of like a cleansing, especially when you're changing just to be able to wipe and keep everything clean down there. So it definitely helps, but too, I mean, and again, I'm not an OBGYN, like this would definitely be a question for our experts. And I feel like we could have like a whole segment with our experts. Um, but like, we you should, know, by the way, you, Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like two people don't know, like they really shouldn't. And it's funny cause I do, and I don't sometimes, but like you shouldn't sleep with underwear. Like you should let your, your vagina like air out. And that sounds so like funny, but it's like at night, like we're constantly keeping stuff against it. And the reason that yeast happens is moisture. So if you're not giving it a chance to get air, you're creating yeast, whether it's creating before your cycle and then you're using a cup and you're pulling it in or like after, you know, it's like, you need to let your, you need to let your vagina breathe. You know, I feel like I'm talking about like, like sun bum, like sunny <laughs> Have you heard about that? Where people like sunny in about, oh, that's what I feel like I'm talking about right now. No, it's I'm like, is that real? No, that that's ridiculous. Um, and it's hilarious. Whenever but you really I, should air out your vagina. I do. You know, I haven't. I do. Sorry, that's that sounded weird too. But I haven't slept with underwear. I don't think for like fifteen years. I hate the feeling of underwear 
at any point in my life. Another reason why I loved COVID. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you can go underwear free. <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. Again, TMI for those male listeners. Um, <laughs> because we do, we do have a lot, including my father. Um, but these, see what I like too about cups, about discs and these, this new sustainable product. It's, and that's, newly coming into popularity because again you said it's not new we just didn't know about it when we were talking about like women's bodies being magic and they're being magic to a period if we want to really get in that vibe and like think of a woman's connection to nature and all of that like that's beautiful and it's poetic and it's amazing but it's like sustainability just is such a natural fit for our cycle and when you think about like just me, myself, if I'm using tampons, how much waste and then wrapping them up in toilet paper, how much waste I'm creating at the end of my period. Like that's so significant once a month for one single person. And if you think about every woman in the world, if you know we're using pads and tampons, that's a lot of waste. And the, the production of pads and tampons, which we're buying a new box of every month. I also love that I can spend 50 bucks or whatever, get a cup, use it for a long time, reuse it daily every month whatever and it just feels like an amazing connection to nature but I know it's so hard for some people to get their hands on and I saw a mention of period poverty and I was hoping that you could kind of explain that to me because I had never heard that term before and like does that connect to waste or to people's inability to get certain products like what is that yeah, it's people's inability to get products. I mean, I think it's something, it's a health crisis that people aren't talking enough about or even know enough about. I mean, it's something that I discovered in all of this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I mean, there's a stat out there that two in five women do not have access and have trouble getting period supplies. So they can't get, you know, tampons, pads, cups, whatever they're trying to, like, they can't afford it. They can't get it. So like, first off, it makes you think, well, is what this, can I ask, is, is that internationally or like within North America? That's a stat I found within the US. Yeah. But I'm, I know mm. it's got to be even worse internationally too, I'm sure. And that stat was up 35% since 2018. So like, it's growing, like we're mm. having a problem. Um, and then on top of it, it makes me think one, how, like my brain just goes to, oh my gosh, like their experience and their hygiene and like health issues and risks that they're getting. Like, it's just so sad to me and something that just shouldn't happen. Um, Scotland actually just started offering this year free period products. For, isn't that amazing? amazing? It's like, I'm moving. Let's go. It's incredible. But it makes me also think, wow, buying a toxic tampon is a luxury. And like, I just, look, when that thought came to my head, I just let it sit for a minute. And I was like, <laughs> like, I was just so mad. I'm like, I cannot believe like that's, that's a luxury, mm -hmm. you know, to not bleed on yourself for days. Like that's not okay. So um, we've partnered with organizations who are actually on the ground doing the work and helping people get the supplies. So Scrub Life Cares is actually one organization that we're aligned with. And the founder, Tanya, is actually on our expert board. She's a public health expert, a doula, and she's founded this nonprofit organization. So she's providing education around your period, um, you know, being sexually active and just like what it means to have a period and how to take care of it. And then also providing supplies. And it's just so incredible what she's doing because people need, people need help. Like everyone should be able to take care of their period. Like this shouldn't be an option. 
you know, why, why is the government and more people not stepping in to make sure that people don't have to struggle to buy that, you know? Um, so that's something that we're really passionate about. And then we have a couple other organizations we're aligned with as well that are really, we wanted to umbrella like women in general. So we've got women's mental health that we're supporting through seeker.org. Um, and then we've got Tinder as well. That's an organization based in Atlanta that's supporting black single mothers. Um, there's What's a really huge housing price. Tender, T-E-N-D-E-R. It's like, it's like I thought you said Tinder and I was like, good for Tinder. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, and they're no different, different organization, right. but equally amazing. Um, but they're in Atlanta and they're supporting single black mothers um, with housing. There's a major housing crisis there for every a hundred women that need low-income housing. There's like 25 available. Um, JC just she's the founder, just shared that the other day. And I was like, that is crazy. Mm-hmm. So they help with rent stipends. They help with groceries. Um, they help with baby supplies and things like that so that they don't have to put all their, you know, income towards those things. But it's just, it, it blows my mind. Like, cause you hit on two things. One, the poverty side of it, like the fact that people don't have access to anything yeah. is sad. And then the, the reality is what they probably are going to have access to is also going to be toxic for them, which is another health issue. Because even though it's like, oh, undetraceable amounts of X, Y, Z, it's actually a lot of these toxins that are in tampons are actually still staying stored in your body. So sure, it's undertraceable in that one tampon, but then you're using 8,000 to 17,000 tampons your entire life of managing your period. And imagine that accumulating. It causes so many different things with hormone disruption. And I mean, it's just, it's amazing that we're allowed to market saying like, oh, this minor amount it's fine. And then like the person who doesn't know any better reasons, like, Oh, it's safe. Cool. I'm going to use my tampon. Mm-hmm. They don't understand like the, the greenwashing and the ins and outs of marketing because things just aren't necessarily regulated. So that's sad. And then the eco side of it. I mean, our, our cups are made of like ultra soft, hundred percent medical grade silicone. That's hundred percent recyclable and has no microplastics. And it's been like third-party tested we really wanted to make sure that while we're bringing something that needs to be, you know, recycled or dealt with in some way, it's, you know, you can use it for up to 10 years. It's completely recyclable. Like we're not adding to the problem or helping, you know, take it away. Um, Cause applicators alone, tampon applicators take 25 years to decompose and they're going in oceans and animals are eating them and, you know, they're sitting in our landfills. And so times, you know, let's just take the middle of 18 to 17 or eight to 17,000. Let's times, you know, 12,000 by, you know, the 25 years. And then how many people are actually using them? It's like, we have a massive problem. And so that's just something that blows my mind too, is like how much waste is getting put out there. And there's countries like, like I have a team member who is from New Zealand and they don't have applicators in New Zealand. They like, she came to the U S and was like, Oh, huh, that's interesting. Like they don't use them there. So it's like, we're in the U S like making our, like we did it for convenience, I'm sure, but we're making our own problems. Like who cares? Stick your fingers up there, wash your hands, like move on. You know, it's like at some point we got to pick our battles or we're just not going to have a place to live anymore. (laughs) You know, that's yeah, no, that's interesting. And actually when you said that two in five women don't have access. My first thought was, okay, that makes sense worldwide. But I was like, I wanted to double check. And you said that was just in the US. And I'm sure Canada has similar numbers. And that to me is so like, I'm living in luxury in a sense, right? Like I'm middle class, but I'm live, I have anything I want. I have heat, I have water on the go, I have whatever groceries I want. Like, and period products aren't even a thought. Like, of course I can get those. And then it's so easy to think, oh, of course anybody 
can get these when you're looking at your own neighborhood. And to know that two in five where we live can't get them. And it makes me think too, because I've been in education for the last 10 years. And if a student comes and says, hey, I forgot my tampon, it's like, well, how many of those students didn't forget it? Maybe they don't have access, right? And we always provide, and that's the thing, we have and we partner with like secret and Tampax and whatnot at schools. So we always have like huge stores for students. But how embarrassing and how much shame and guilt will that create in a young woman when she doesn't have access and she's going to her principal, her gym teacher, whatever, for period products? Like that shouldn't even be an issue. Totally. There's another stat that we came across that was um, in the U.S., one in five teenage girls won't go to school because of shame or inability to have supplies, um, you know, or just kind of like bullying around their period, things like that. And that's why I love cups too, because they could literally wear it all day. I mean, we have, you know, size one and size two, which depending on where you are, if you've had babies, your, you know, or your cervixes, things like that. Like, you know, if you're new to period size one, for sure. But it's something where like you could wear it all day and not have to worry about it. You can swim, you can run, like you can do all these things. But too, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, I didn't even think about that, that people might come to the schools and just know they can get the supplies. Or like, mm-hmm. what if your mom's like, hey, we really can't afford them. You have one pad per day, but like maybe you have an astronomical flow and it's just not possible, but you're like forcing yourself to wear one pad a day. It's like, that should not be the experience that we have. Um, and I know it's a big problem to change, but like, that's why we're so passionate about working with organizations that are doing that work mm-hmm. um, and, and doing the work in the other areas too. I mean, it's really important that single moms have what they need, that women are open about their mental health. I feel like, especially being a mom, like I had like, I had like late postpartum anxiety. I definitely had a hard transition going from zero to one. Like that was a shell shocker for me. One to two was like breezy. My life had already turned into being a mother, but zero to one, I was like, where did I go? What just happened? Like, and it's like that, I mean, you're pregnant for 10 months. So you think you're going to like absorb it, but you don't because you're still living your life as yourself. And then this baby comes and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I am out the window, you know, and like everything changes. And it's just, you, you don't even know. Sometimes it's not that talked about like that shock of like, it's like someone posted the other day and it's a new mom that I know. And she was like the, the transition of becoming a mother isn't the hard. The transition of like losing myself is what's mm-hmm. hard and transitioning into being a mom. Like that's the hard part of like my life not being the same ever again. And I think like we shame ourselves so much around feeling bad about that. Cause we know, you know, babies are a blessing. There's people out there struggling that can't have them. And I do. And like, so I have to take this like blessing on and be so happy all the time because it's magical that I have this, but like, I'm, you know, it was hard. It was a hard transition. And then I actually weaned close to 14 months with my mm-hmm. son and I went through anxiety and I think it was a little bit of postpartum. It was my hormone shifting, but I had like so much random anxiety and I had no idea. I was talking to a girlfriend, thank goodness. And she was like, did you just stop breastfeeding? And I was like, yeah, actually like three weeks ago, she was like, you're having anxiety from your hormones going down. I'm like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, is this a thing? But like, you don't, you just, again, don't know what you don't know. And that's why I love like Seeker that's doing, you know, postpartum support, um, depression, anxiety, body dysmorphia, body images, all those things. Um, they're helping women get help around that. And I think we don't talk enough about it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to have problems. It's okay for you to have a really wonderful life and still feel like you're struggling a little bit. Like there's, there's so much out there these days that, make us judge ourselves and put shame on ourselves. Like social media, it's like, 
I have such a love hate with it to me because I just feel like it's brought so much mental issues for mm-hmm. people. You know, there's, there's these people out there now, they're just like totally mom shaming you or like, you know, those, I, I mean, they're, they're not all bots. There's just some people that love that they can just talk crap on anybody now because they're, they're behind awful. the screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you've experienced it constantly. And we are TikTok following because um, we we do pretty well on TikTok, but we make videos that like that satirize that community. But then even yeah. through that, people don't get that it's secure, uh, satirical, and then they really come at us with like claws <laughs> out. And most of it, I can just kind of brush off. Like I've I have really thick skin, but it is cutting, and people can be so cutting, and it's people's own insecurities coming out with their family life, how they parent. And it's like, you don't parent wrong. Nobody necessarily parents wrong. What works for one family is going to be different for another family. How you run your life based on what you do, what your partner does. If you have a partner, what your kids are like, how many you have. We are all going to find different ways of coping, of managing, of just dealing with those little issues that come up. And it, you know, nobody's right. Nobody's getting a medal. We are all just doing our best and loving our kids and trying to make it work and trying to raise them to be independent and good people. And that's all, mm-hmm. like if you if you get to the bottom of it. But where the hell was I going with that? Oh my God, I felt a, a surge of passion and then I'm it like, took- I am into it. <laughs> <laughs> it took my mind it's off true. it. It's true. Yeah. No, no, it's it's because it's, it's something we battle with all the time, and I think especially being a working mother, it's like you're constantly sec- second guessing yourself mm-hmm. of like, am I doing enough as a mom? Am I doing enough at work? Am I showing up here? Am I doing this? Here? Am I making the right decision? And like having social media as this portal to see what everybody else in the world is doing, you easily can compare yourself, and then like we shame ourselves. Like I know I'm on there, and I see mom, this mom being like a super Pinterest mom, and I'm like, I suck. Like my poor kids. And in my head, I'm like, they have such a good life. Like, what am I talking about? But nope, they didn't get that star cut out lunch with like oh, their, that. you I know, can't. graham cracker crusted. I, but it's like, it's same. I mean, I, I, they get Uncrustables all day in the package. Sorry, <laughs> it is what it is. Like, we're going to live. You know, they have nutritional dinners and yeah. like lunch kind of half sucks. But like, even just watching a video of like someone packing their kids' lunches and I was just like, oh my gosh, like what am I, I have to get, I'm like saving them. I'm like, I have to get better. But also like, I have to stay sane Mm -hmm. and I can't compare the mom that's like at the beach every day with her kids after school. It's just not our, it's not how I am. Maybe I don't want to go to the park all the time, but like, I'm not a bad mom. And Heather, you're as a manifesting generator, like you got your hands full, you're busy, you're doing so much. Mm -hmm. You are doing, I'm assuming just from what you've said, like domestic stuff, you're doing out of the house stuff and you're, you're living in different worlds. And This is the last thing I want to ask you, but does – and I like asking this. I know this question gets asked predominantly to women, but I always ask my husband as well as a way for him to like check in because I think that it's a shame. I don't think it's bad necessarily that women get asked this. I think it's bad that men don't get asked this. Does balance exist for you between professional and family life? And if it does – how does that manifest? Like what, it, what does balance look like or not look like for you? So it's funny. Cause, um, <laughs> there's a tie to the brand in this, in this answer. So one, I broke up with balance a while ago. I like it. Um, I was with my first son or well, my only son, my first child, I was striving for balance. 
I was trying to have a balanced work life, a balanced marriage, a balanced friendships, balanced parenting, and the goalposts kept moving. So every time I thought I'd reach it, then I'd fail. And then like, it was just literally, it was so unattainable and it was actually causing me anxiety and probably minor depression because I just always felt like I was failing. Nothing was balanced. There was no balance. And coming from like yoga and other like kind of more wellnessy spaces, they always talk about balance and I get it. But it's not it's not attainable, especially as a working mom. Um, I feel like you have to strive for your rhythm. And so a couple of years ago, I actually started on social and in different places talking about like ditching balance and finding your rhythm. Be in your flow. Like what is your rhythm? And I, it actually made me happy to sing. I'm like, oh, I'm like dancing, like I'm happy, I'm in my rhythm. Okay. You know, and it's like things are gonna be. I mean, I don't see my life ever being like a scale and it's like, oh, 50, mm-hmm. 50, way to go, Heather, you win. Like that never happens. And I'm like, so the word just like was such a mind twist for me and so frustrating that when I started doing rhythm, it was like, okay, I can flow with like the heavy work day and like figure out how to like slide into parenthood. And that's my rhythm for the day. Okay. Tomorrow I know I'm like heavy kids, <clears throat> you know, I've got a date night. I've got work going on. I'm going to figure out like how that flow is going to go. Okay, got, I got my rhythm. Let's go. Like find your rhythm. And it really helped me get through this, this challenge of being a working mom, also being an entrepreneur and wanting to always be starting new things. It's not like I had, you know, and this doesn't make it any easier or worse, but it's not like I had my nine to five that I could just shelve and leave at home. Like my work comes with me. My work is me. Um, and you know, I've gotten conversations too about people like, Oh, like your work, it's not personal. I'm like, it's so personal. Like it's so personal to me. And it's not just because it's my brand. It's because like people's livelihood depends on me. Like I have employees, I have staff, their lives depend on me. So it's very personal and I take it very seriously. So it's a lot, but finding my rhythm, I mean that it literally, even when I say the words to people, I'm like, oh, okay. Cause I say balance and I'm like, oh, like balance. Okay. Like it just, it doesn't work for me. So in that, when we were trying to name the brand, it was funny because we had a different name at, um, at first, but legally it just wasn't going to work out. So we're like going through names and rhythm was on the list. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And I was talking to my girlfriend. She's like, you know, that's the perfect name for so many reasons. Right. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, first off, like rhythm, your period, duh. The flow. Uh, She's like, but also, yeah, totally. Right. I was like, yeah, I get it. But I think for me, I was like, that's so literal, you know? And then she was like, but also you and rhythm, like as a lifestyle. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're so like, I didn't even like put it together. I was so hyper-focused on naming the brand that like, I didn't think about like my life and context. And for me, my rhythm is really like syncing up to my pulse of life. And I think that it's, it's so connected with your period and your cycles and that rhythm. And it all just comes together because if you're aligned in how you're navigating your period, every, every week out of the month. And you're able to have kind of a better level of like normal and homeostasis and just feeling like you're, you've got little bumps versus like these big waves of like what's happening in your hormones in your life, you're going to feel better. And that's going to roll out into so many other things in your life. So that's where rhythm came about too. But it's also something that for me personally is really near and dear because it, it changed how I navigate parenting. And um, I think, you know, COVID helped me even get more into that rhythm because it really shelved things that weren't important. And it made me feel very confident around like, okay, I, you know, I used to cancel, like if I had to cancel me, I'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like something or like, I would be like, oh, this other important meeting's pulling me in, but it's really like, no, my kid's throwing up at school. I have to go, you know, but I wouldn't like say that to people. And now it's like, I feel so much comfortable with my world coexisting mm-hmm. and being able to like be one 
Um, but yeah, so Valentine and I don't really hang out as much anymore. And, um, it's definitely more me and rhythm, you know, doing the thing. (laughs) I love that so much. I think, I think I need to adopt that more and I'm starting to anyway. And it's like balance as a whole. Like if I could look back on the year and be like, what was it? Like, was it balanced? And even years are going to look different. Like one year is going to be super family heavy. Another year, like right now we're going through a super work heavy time where I take the kids to school and then we have grandparents putting them to bed at night and we don't really get to talk about their day until the next day. And like, I feel guilty. Like this is my kid's first week of school and I'm taking her, but I'm not picking her up. You know what I mean? I'm not even putting her to bed. So it's like, there's guilt there, but I can't be guilty because like ultimately we're doing this for them to have a better life, to put food on the table, to you know, achieve dreams because it's important for us to achieve our dreams too and for our, to model that for our kids. So ideally, in the grand scheme, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to be like, okay, that worked out well. That's what I'm aiming <laughs> for. And that's what I think I need to aim for more than like every day. Okay, did I have enough kid time? Did I have enough work time? Because yeah, it's impossible. It, it is an impossible standard. And the more I live, I feel like the more I'm realizing that it's kind of a myth if you are it is. like a regular person. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a billionaire, then maybe I can find balance, maybe. But as a regular person, I think it, it might be a myth. Well, and even as a billionaire, like you still need so much help. And even then you pr- have your own problems and you don't feel balanced. Like it's just not, it's just such a hard word to achieve. I think when you have other things that, need you and like you have to take on in life Mm -hmm. like you I mean I felt I felt balanced in my 20s (laughs) and then I had I had to go get a career and kids and all these things and it went out the window Mm -hmm. um and I think you know you're always gonna you can sit and always second guess yourself like I all the time like you know and I make myself stop doing it when I go down this rabbit hole but I will at times be like okay dang it. I should be a stay at home mom. Like I'm not there. Like you said, like I'm not there for my kids in all these moments. I need to be there for everything. Cause I don't want them to ever feel like I didn't care or work was more important than them. Or, you know, you're on the other side where it's like, well, then am I ever going to show them like, like they're seeing that I'm chasing my goals. This is teaching them other things. And it's like, you know, the, the one other thing I'll say about all this is like, I feel like too going back to our social media comment, like, I feel like there's such an argument on social sometimes around like stay at home mom versus working mom and like what's better or like, you know, and I'm like, it's all hard. It's hard if you go off to work and you deal with your demons. It's hard if you stay home and you deal with that too. I mean, personally, like praise every stay at home mother. I, I don't know how you all do it. You know, like it is such a mental job. It's a physical job. Like anyone who says stay at stay at home moms aren't working, mm-hmm. like come talk to me. I'm wearing <laughs> you know? a grateful dead shirt right now. It's my favorite shirt <laughs> of all time. But one it. of my favorite quotes from my favorite song they do is the grass ain't greener, the wine ain't sweeter on either side of the hill. And it's not. You know, hundred percent water your own side. Take care of your own side. Make that the beauty that you want to see, the beauty that you want to live. And don't even worry. Put blinders on for the other sides because you're not going to get what you're looking for there, you know. But Heather, this has been such a great conversation. And I'm leaving feeling a little bit of magic. And the moon was crazy last night. I don't know if you guys have the same moon that we did. But it was orange and big and gorgeous. 
And that already kind of made me feel like I was like, oh, I wonder if this is going to have a affect my body, my cycle. Like I, like I said, I'm not into that enough, but I want to start getting into it because I just like to revel in that magic a little bit. Yeah. It was a full moon yesterday. So it was, it was pretty, was yours pretty orange? Well, I didn't see it last night, so I don't know, but I, I assumed it was probably similar, but it, I mean, it was, I know it was, I'm 99% sure it was a full moon last night, which was, it was last night or the night before. Um, but that always has such incredible energy too. So that's why you're, you're vibing a little bit today. Rhythm. I got the rhythm and I need to try rhythm. Cause yeah. like I said, I need uh, to try a different brand at this point in my life, but where can people go to find you, to find your company, to find rhythm, all that. Yeah, absolutely. They can go to our website, www.rhythmcare.co, C-O, um, or on Instagram, TikTok, you can find us at rhythmcare.co and we're also on Facebook as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Heather, for sitting down with me. It was so nice to chat with you. I feel like this could go on for three hours. So I'm like, I'm cutting it here, but I'm not happy to. <laughs> <laughs> Round two coming soon. And don't worry, I we'll get you a bunch that. of rhythm stuff. So you'll be all set to be in your flow. Awesome. And yes, I will love to talk to you again if you uh, are ever up for that. I think there's so much more. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. I would love it. Amazing. Good interview. Thank you, Shane. You didn't let me finish. What? Period. Oh, I hope that you listen to it and learn a couple things. No, I should say that was a good interview, period. I like that. Okay. Now let's move on to the question answer segment. We have been calling it the mailbag segment. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know, you're about to answer listener questions. I'm going to listen to what you have to say and maybe chime in. Okay. First question. How does Shane feel about doing an intimate scene on the TV show? Did you write this question? You did. I did. I knew it. <laughs> you're obsessed with this. I know. You're so obsessed. I know. And you're obsessed with me. You think I care that you care or something? I want you to care that I care. And I want you to be like, I respect your boundaries, Alex, and I won't do those things that, you know, blah, blah, blah. I am, but I'm not belaboring it. And you want me to belabor it and really like put my wear my heart on my sleeve. And you want me to be angry. Oh, no, 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 no. I just want you to be like, no, of course not. And then uh, that's how I am. But because I'm so, of course, you're like, that's it. There's not more. No, I just I just want to feel that. How do I feel about doing it's not an intimacy scene? This isn't a real movie. This is a sketch show. And there's a scene when I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like a quick comical scene that's shot silly. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I have no feeling about it. All I'm worried about is my lines. I don't want to screw up that way. I have if I don't have a line, I'll do anything and, and not think about it. It's not real. Yeah, this is why actors always divorce their spouses because they're like, oh honey, it's not real. And then they fall in love with the person they're having the intimate scene with. I don't think that's gonna happen. Well, it won't, because I'm being there and I'm essentially the intimacy coordinator. Well, that doesn't feel very <laughs> romantic, Alex. He doesn't cheat because I <laughs> I cock block him in intimacy scenes. No. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd be gone. No, I don't think you would be, but I just know that I will feel more comfortable being okay, there. Okay, good. I'm yeah. comfortable either way. I don't think about anything. Yeah. Well, let's go on to the next question. Are you both actors? How did you end up in a sketch show? I am not, although I've been a background actor in this show several times You have now. lines. You're an actor. Yeah. You well, act. Okay, yeah. So I guess after this comes out, I will officially 
be an actor because I have I have lines in a couple of sketches. What's great about acting is it's like photography. Everyone can do it. There's varying levels of skill, but the entry is very easy. So yes, we're both actors in a sense. I wouldn't say we're, <laughs> I guess I would. I have to say I'm a professional actor at this yeah. point because the definition is, are you getting paid for it? And is it part of your livelihood? Um, you know, I don't think I'm great, but I do think I'm really well suited for this. Mm-hmm. No, I think you are too. I th- and I, I think that you've been doing a really great job at this. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but it, it helps when you've lived with something for a long time. So sometimes not the best actor isn't always the best person for the job. The person who knows the material the best and how to get to the funny is the best person. So can you like briefly kind of go through how you ended up here? Because that is a question. I know we talk about the show a lot. Um, and so kind of just what you did during COVID in the the pilot, I think. Okay, so 10 years ago is when it started. And me and five of my friends, we got together and we said, let's try to do a sketch show. So we all went off to our respective corners. We wrote two sketches each. So five times two, 10 sketches we had. And then we workshopped them a little bit. We'd have meetings at a local bar near our work. We would do this on our lunch hour. And then we decided to shoot a couple. And we only ended up shooting one for some reason because shooting is is such an ordeal that it it was hard to even get the one out. And then we watched it and we thought it was good, but it was a little crass Mm -hmm. and a little bit too much for network television. And at the time, there was no streaming services in Canada unless you wanted to take a big swing for Netflix. But that didn't seem plausible to really like go up and pitch to Netflix. So we just forgot about it to some extent and then crave came to canada and that was a canadian streaming service and then i saw the show i think you should leave and i started thinking this is exactly my sensibility my humor and here it is on the big stage and people are laughing at it because it's almost like an embarrassing type of sense of humor i have that i would think that isn't common enough to ever catch on with people Mm -hmm. but then i think you should leave did and people like your mom and dad enjoy it And then it just had me thinking, maybe my sense of humor is more universal and I shouldn't be as embarrassed and I should actually go for it and lean into the things that I think I'm good at doing. And uh, I decided to, rather than write scripts and just submit them to Crave, I wanted to shoot a pilot because sometimes things don't necessarily jump off a page and you have to, like a Quentin Tarantino script, if I read Pulp Fiction... I don't know if I would have the foresight to say this is a brilliant script, mm-hmm. but the way he did it, the style of it, the music, the way it's shot and everything is so perfect. Once you see it, it's undeniable. And that's what I wanted our pilot to do, especially since it was so crass. I wanted the tone to be sophisticated, but the material to be crass. And then we submitted it and we, you know, we did full opening credits. We had an awesome theme song, closing credits. And they pretty much just said, well, you've almost given us no choice. We have to green light this. Now, from the moment that happened, it still took a year of going through a process and endless writing meetings. And I can't even describe what I've had to go through (laughs) to get this. Uh, But yeah, it's been a bit of an ordeal. But if you really, really like it, I think it's worth it. Otherwise, I would say do not even attempt this because (laughs) it will consume your life. Yeah. And it it totally has. And, you know, in both positive and negative ways, like anything that you take on that's of this scope. 
Uh, actually, the next question I had was, are you teaching this year? I hope that you guys are doing well. And I, I will be, but I've stepped back from, you know, full time, from wanting to even do LTOs. And I really want to stay away from that and just do daily supply because life is so unpredictable for us right now. And right now I can take the time off because of that to help with the sketch show. So I'm there 13 hours a day every day working with Shane. And then when this is done and, you know, it's kind of back to regular, if I can just go in and out of classrooms daily and not take work home with me, not have to do any planning, then it just frees one of us up at least to not have to take their job home with them at night because Shane does and I would have to do that otherwise. And then it's just, it's way easier with the kids and everything right now. So you're doing a ton of social media stuff uh, on the weekends and all that. So, and, and that, that provides income mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you you know you're working a lot on the show now you're not getting any <laughs> money for the show but indirectly you are because without you there I'd be ruined that mm-hmm. it would be almost impossible for me to function without you there you've seen me <laughs> on set you know I can barely function with you yeah so imagine I had to like have all these little frustrating moments and have no one to run my lines with no I know I know and I feel like this is such a family project. So I feel like even just through you and what you're bringing home from it, you know, I'm I'm working towards that as well. And again, that's like a minute amount. Um, mm-hmm. which In is the grand no- scheme, yeah. Yeah, which is like nowhere near the work that you have been putting into it over the last year and the work that I'm now putting into it. But it's something and it just feels like very cool to do this massive creative thing together because we've been doing small creative things together. For the past few years with social media and with the podcast and this just feels like very cool mm-hmm. to be doing every day together and i feel like you and i have gotten to a good point in working together where we are still struggling with some things because it is hard but we've really developed like a language and a way to work together to help ease tension mm-hmm. right because yes. that is tough uh next question have you and Shane ever gone through a rough patch in marriage and how did you figure it out? So with rough patches, I feel like that could happen. Like maybe there's a really intense rough patch, you know, within 20 years of marriage, or maybe there's just a series of like frustrating patches, mind like mini rough patches that you experience, you know, every couple months or one day in the week, if you want to look at it like that. And I think it's so common to go through those moments. And so many things can impact that, whether it is social life, work life, what you guys are doing, what how your relationship is going, if you're feeling connected, what parenting is like. COVID. COVID. If you don't have kids, if you have kids, mm-hmm. starting a new job, starting a podcast, so, starting TikTok. <laughs> I, uh, I was looking it up because I do know there are ways out of rough patches, obviously, because Shane and I have found ourselves in rough patches and we've made our way out of them and we'll find ourselves in another rough patch, I'm sure. We will. <laughs> you know, at some point. But I found this really great article Uh that spoke, it, it was an interview with a woman named Dr. Daphne de Marneff. So she's a psychotherapist, a marriage expert, and she's the author of two books, The Rough Patch and Maternal Desire. So she talks about how people, you know, like we, Shane and I as well, like we aspire to have these long relationships, like last a lifetime 
kind of thing, right? Like that's <laughs> what the, do you mean these long relationships? Like long, mm. like long term relationships, like lifelong mm. relationships. Why do you keep pluralizing relationships? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> No, because I think I'm pluralizing that because when I was reading the article, Demarneff was saying like people want long relationships. Okay, right? we'll like, get Demarneff out of your head and start talking to me. <laughs> but um, so we, Shane and I, want a long relationship as many other people do, and that's kind of how you view your life working from whatever societal constructs or that's just what you like. But in order to do that with somebody and to say, okay, we're gonna make this work over like decades. That is a huge task to take on. Not for me. Well, no, in dealing with somebody else's emotional state and your emotional state and always ensuring that they're copacetic, like that is something you have to be conscious of every day. Yeah, we're pretty good. And you're not that complicated. How am I not that complicated? Give me. Well, you're tricky. Mm. But I mean, you're not that complicated. It's just... Sum, sum me up in a sentence. I would say a, a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> That's how I would describe you, Shane. Okay. <laughs> Yours is... Yeah, maybe. Maybe two roller coasters can ride together, though. I like that. I really like that. But um. so anyway... Demarneff in these books she says that in order to deal with just like the mess of what life can be and what relationships can be all it comes down to like everything else any other book anything that deals with marriage and relationships always comes down to effectively communicating can you effectively communicate what is pissing you off what you like what you need, what you need less of. It doesn't always have to be bad. A lot of the times it is good things that you also need to communicate. And can your partner listen to you talking about these things and then internalize it? Are they self-aware? Are you self-aware? And so much of relationships, I think, boils down to that kind of communication. I think I'm self-aware. I think I'm self-aware. See, I think a lot of people, they wouldn't see like that you are roller coastery. But because I notice, even if you let out a little sigh, like I'm like, oh no. Yeah, but would you describe that as a roller coaster or a not? Lot, just somebody pe- experiencing a, emotion. A lot of people wouldn't. But since for me, I'm so finely attuned to your emotions and I can be affected by your emotions because I care about you and I want you to feel good, that it is a roller coaster for me. <laughs> if I didn't care about you, it wouldn't be. So some people might be like, Alex is a roller coaster of emotions. She's pretty much one note. I would argue that. Okay, so a little sigh, I'd say, is not like a roller. Can it be like a kitty coaster? Like I'm not the Leviathan. <laughs> you know what I mean, though. I don't think that's a fair characterization. All right, I'm just staying away from it. <laughs> so anyway, I have some tips if you are going through a rough patch, and a few of these. I actually loved when I was researching this because I was like, oh, a few of these are the things that we always say on the podcast. Like if somebody's like, hey, give us advice in this you know, situation. And we always go back to a couple of these. So I was like, Shane and I have, we've interviewed enough relationship experts. Like we are with it. But the first thing is reminisce. Take a moment. Yeah, we always say that. Yeah. Reminisce about good times. Kind of get in that headspace. Next, make time for intimacy. And it's not just physical intimacy, though that is so important. And you need to make time for that too. Another thing Shane and I always say, otherwise 
It might just kind of slip through your fingers, but make time for that like emotional, spiritual intimacy, like really get on the same level and really get to that deeper understanding of each other that you probably had at the beginning of your relationship when you'd be up till like 3 a.m. just chatting away. Okay, so what is spiritual intimacy if you can't be up till 3 a.m. chatting? (laughs) Define it. Well, it might be just having really deep-rooted conversations about how you see yourself in the world right now, how you feel as a person, um, validation that you might need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? That's kind of how I... So just after dinner, you say, honey, (laughs) tonight could we have a deep-rooted conversation? Uh, Sure. So you don't want to watch Seinfeld reruns? No. How do you value yourself? But that's just saying... but I think there's a time and a place for all of those things. Yeah. And maybe maybe for some couples, spiritual intimacy might be as obvious as that sounds. And it might be going to church. It might be going to temple, whatever it is, and reconnecting in that way. You know what I mean? I think mm. it's going to look different for different families. Shane's giving me a look like we've never been to church together, which we haven't. Yes, we have for the baptism. Right. And we're going to have to schedule another baptism soon. Oh, for but Betty. Betty, the little one. Yes. Um lastly counseling and if you do need like a mediator or somebody again to just help you or help your partner become self-aware and learn tools to help them speak emotionally like i need help i need help right now but i definitely need help in arguments like speaking about how i'm feeling because that's a skill a lot of people don't recognize it for the skill that it is but it is something that you really have to work on and a counselor can help so that's what I'd recommend for rough patch. What about you, Shane? Would you throw anything else on that list? Hmm, rough patch. Go on a vacation together. Have fun. Yeah. And on a vacation, maybe. Mm-hmm. Little little getaway if you can with mm-hmm. just the two of you. All you need is two nights. Yeah, One night. Two even. nights, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh next question. What's something we don't know about you and Shane? I was looking at this beforehand. I we talk so much and we just are so open i'm sure there's things people don't know but i really couldn't think of anything i'm six feet tall (laughs) i have a sister i thought you were gonna say for some reason i have a cyst and i was like where's his cyst a sister yeah um did not do well in school maybe people know maybe they don't um played basketball growing up I once scored 27 points in a game. And the most interesting podcast of the year award goes to. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. What is interesting? Uh, what, what, what about you? You you got something, right? No, I, that's You that were an extra in the movie The F Word. Oh, yeah, with Daniel Radcliffe. You can uh, watch me make it out with my ex-boyfriend in it, in the movie mm. theater scene. Yeah, I went to three high schools. Yeah. How many high schools do you go to? One. How tall are you? Five, seven and a half. Nice. <laughs> if you had to pick, are you closer to five, seven or five, eight? Five, eight. Hmm. Who doesn't round up? I just wanted to see how honest you were being. Well, what do you think? I think I'd be closer to five, eight. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, next question. Any tips on how to teach little kids about money? Slash, should we give pocket money for chores? So this is like... Is so divided in parenting communities, each individual family, and parenting experts have written on both. And I think that there's no right answer here. And whatever you go with, just feel confident in it and 
find find a way to handle it. But I did a lot of reading from experts who said, look, don't pay your kids for regular household chores because not only is there like intrinsic motivation that you want to teach them, but they also have to learn what it takes to keep a household running, to be a contributing member of a household, whatever. So chores like making their bed, putting away their dishes, things like that, don't pay them for those. However, if they want to go above and beyond and take something off of your to-do list, find something around the house that needs to be done, then they can approach you or you guys can figure out a wage together and then you can pay them for that and that's like possibly a better way of doing it, which I think is so smart. And I didn't consider that, but I, I think that's so smart. And I think I, I kind of want to adopt that. Did you know my allowance when I was a kid was a dollar a week? A dollar a, a week? A loony. How, how old are you? I don't know. That's how it started. It got to $2 a toonie a week. That felt low. That, somehow yeah. Tiff could save my sister. And she'd have like like at the end of the year, well, I guess this was the toonie time, she'd have over 100 bucks. I was very impressed. That's pretty good. Because she wouldn't spend any of it. She never did. But we did get a huge salary bump once. Mm. To, so we had a big jump to $5 a week. And then we got to $10 a week. And then I felt rich. 100% you would. So that would be my advice. Underpay. <laughs> and then bam when you think they're just when you think they're at their breaking point give them a huge raise which isn't really a big raise <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like oh i have ten dollars and it's just they'll value that well look so what your sister did and what you did were so important like learning how to save money learning how to spend money is so crucial and that's everybody recommends every parenting book i brought i've read recommends giving your kids some access to money, whether it's through an allowance that they just get or through a chore allowance, like a wage, mm -hmm. right? Because they do, like you can't learn how to ride a bike if you don't practice riding a bike. You won't learn how money works if you don't get practice spending it. And a lot of parents, I think it was 20% of parents that were uh, surveyed in this one study I was reading, they started giving their kids allowance at age six, and then another 20 at like 7, another 20 at 8. So you can't go wrong with age. But generally, a good time to start is when your kid starts asking about money, when they start wanting their own money. Like Lucy was asking about this today. Like when can she have money? She was asking me about a cell phone. When can she have a cell phone? When can she have money of her own to go spend? And honestly, we've given her money before and it's been really cute because she was saving it up in this little purse. And then she took it to the dollar store. And I think it's such a cool thing when you can give your kid, especially when they're young, like coins so they can, first of all, learn how to count and then see the value at somewhere like a dollar store. Like, okay, this one loonie is going to get me this toy. But if I save up five of my loonies, I can get this bigger toy. And I think that's such a, an easy and tangible way for kids to start learning. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I think something has to be innate. Because somehow I just spend money like crazy and Tiffany saves money. And I feel like we were raised the same. And I don't know. Maybe I had some different experience that made me be like, you got to live for the now or something. And <laughs> Tiff was like, always save for the future. Like my sister used to get a gift. Like let's say she got a Barbie, which this actually happened. And she said she didn't open it. She goes, I'm saving this for my children. Sure enough, Tiff doesn't want children now. But for me, I just always wanted to like. Spend it the second I got it. Mm -hmm. I need that chocolate bar now. <laughs> if someone, you know how you 
in our relationship, we've been given a bottle of champagne. You say, we'll save this for a special occasion. I'm like, fuck it. We're drinking it tonight. Yeah. That's how I am. I always need to do that. I need a treat every day. I need something to look forward to every three hours. And that's just how I am. So I don't think any practice would have helped me. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's interesting to think of that and to think about what experience may have shaped your thoughts around money so differently. But I think that, like, did you have conversations about saving and whatnot with your parents? And was there ever an item that you wanted and you wanted to save for, but then maybe it was just bought for you? Uh, yeah, I guess when you're a child of divorce, which I am, you can use manipulation a little bit to get things. <laughs> Like, dad got me this, and now I need my, these basketball shoes. My mom would be like, you know, my mom, mm-hmm. who I consider very responsible with her money, was a little bit irresponsible with her spending on me, mm-hmm. mainly because I probably guilt-tripped her in some way just because I really, really wanted something. Yeah. I remember I was going on a trip once to Florida, and I asked her for some money, and she gave me like 50 bucks. And I was like, 50 bucks? <laughs> like, I need money, money. And then she gave me 300 American. What? And it was crazy. And I feel terrible about it. Sometimes I think about it, I'm like, I did that? That's insane. <laughs> That's wild. Did you ever steal money from your parents? Yes. Yes, I like would. Like t- significant? Well, like a $20. And it's humiliating. Like $20. And my, and my mom knew I was doing it too. Mm. Oh, it was like repeated. Yeah, like a few times. But she put a lock on her door. Like that was a pretty good sign that I was doing it. So it was like this unspoken humiliation so I think well, I like stole like a fiver. Ooh, yeah. But, you know, you your parents, they have money, I feel like. No, but like they they always had me on a good allowance because I think we have talked about on the podcast before we did check marks and X's. So Yeah, like, and you'd pick weeds and they'd be like, here's $50, honey. No, they paid me minimum wage. How, well, that's good. Yeah, but it's not good. It's not bad. It's minimum wage. I had wage. to wait it's 52 regular. weeks to go by to have $52. Shane, this was as an adult, though, that I was doing this, like a teenager and a university You student. were stealing fibers as no, an adult? No, no, no. I was doing their gardening. Oh, okay. As like a teenager and adult, like I was their gardener. Okay, just get a normal job. And maybe they paid me above minimum wage oh at goodness. that point. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, would you say you and I are pretty much the same with money yeah i'd say we're quite identical like we don't have a problem spending money on something that we actually like that we need like if shane or myself is like oh i need this pair of jeans or i just i really want this neither one of us really care if the other one gets it it's not a problem in the relationship because we just we don't spend needlessly i don't think and i find we work hard we work really, we work really hard, and we all we, we just don't spend needlessly. So when we buy something, it's like something that we really want or that we need. Yeah. But yeah, there's I don't know. I like being on the same plane as you for that, and then it makes like I know we have a joint bank account. Some of our friends don't. Lots of I'm, lots I of did discussion. The weed <laughs> lots of discussion about what's you know what is the smarter thing to do. What and I think it differs so much but i think a reason that it works for shane and i is because our spending habits are like pretty identical yeah uh but shane let's end it on this easy question yeah is there a celebrity you dislike for no reason at all and i just want to hear the name because there's no reason i'm gonna say anne hathaway yeah that's an easy one that's a lot of people would say that yeah but i don't have a reason who's a good guy that we can just pick on right now oh What's that guy? He's in the Groot movies. Vin Diesel? 
No. <laughs> Vin Diesel is Groot. I read that. That's wild. Yeah, he made $54 million off saying, I am Groot. That's silly. He does baby Groot, too. I know. Um, I only know this because the kids watch it. But what's the, what's the guy in that? He was married to the comedian woman I like. I don't know. Oh, Shane. He's blonde. He's like kind of Christian-y. He had a kid with a new woman after he, he divorced Anna Ferris. Oh, um, Chris Pratt. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Don't like him. Wow. Yeah, I heard he's a little bit different than you might think. Okay, let's go with Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, you suck. Okay, thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 144.